You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Do something that Jesus did. I always think that's good if you're going to be in this role. To do what Jesus did. And Jesus taught in parables. And even his own disciples said, why do you teach in parables? Why do you teach in stories? Here's what he said in Mark 4.11. Because it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So there are 37 parables in the Bible. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus taught in parables as a means of illustrating profound divine truths that became revelational in the hearts of men and women. Parables, in fact, comprise of over a third of Jesus' ministry. And before I tell you this parable, I want to just say, because I'm not going to refer to it uh, again, I brought some stuff with me, uh, two shirts, or I mean, in California, y'all, two shirts are $30. So, and it's quality stuff. And so just, uh, just check it out back there. I even had somebody that bought my gorilla shirt. My grandchildren call me Papa Gorilla. Uh, and if I had tattoos... Who knows? This, this would be on my chest, and a gorilla would be on the back. So who would you like to fight today? <clears throat> so check that out. But that's not the most important thing. I want to tell you about something that, uh, that my wife and I developed years ago, and is a banking system for children. I don't have time to go into everything but this is how I've done my finances. This is how I became a millionaire by the time I was 40 before I ever became a pastor. And that was making margin. We have banks. Give, save, spend, invest with a little book called Bank of Me. Why is that? Because most of us heard money doesn't grow on trees. I defy that. Money does grow on trees and you're the tree. The Bible says you'll be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water. So there's a chore chart that comes with this. It's very powerful, and it's magnetic. Anyway, we've already run out of them, but they've got a QR code, I think. We're doing a, a bundle today with this. But Guys, if you can put the QR code up there. Uh, I think you've got it. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But if you're interested in that, I, I want you to check that out because how many of you would like your children to do better than you did financially? Okay? They're not going to if they only know what you know. The most my dad ever made in a month was $994. He retired from the Dallas Police Department in 1975. He thought I'd lost my mind when my first house, when my first house payment was 10 times what his house payment was. The house I grew up in cost $19,000. The monthly payment on a 30-year note for a $19,000 house was $76 a month. When I bought my first house, my dad said, you have lost your mind. I said, Dad, let me tell you something. This is the smallest house I'll ever live in. By the time I was 32, long story short, I made a dreams list. I don't have time to go into all this because I've only got 21 minutes left, and I've got a good word for you. But this might be the word that you need. Because some of you are going to read the little, it's a little book, Bank of Me, and you're going to learn about margins. Not about budgets. Most people think budgets. They don't think margins. I teach about margins and how in your life, if you'll establish margins, you will build incredible wealth. Wow. 
So anyway, I don't have time to go all into that, but I, I, I established this dreams list when I was 32 years of age and made a decision that I wanted to create generational wealth for my family. Eight years later, I had a million, over a million dollars in the bank just in my retirement. And that's where we started. So anyway, there's just some stuff that might help you, and I guess they don't have the QR code, but you can go to keithcraft.org, and you can find out what I do, and also with my coaching, my masterminds. We started an online mastermind this year that uh, if you can't get to Texas and be a part of one of my masterminds, we also have a couples mastermind that I do at my Colorado house and Florida house if you'd like to go to those two places, and uh, we pour into you as a couple. It's very powerful. So just check it out, keithcraft.org, and it, uh, you'll have all the information. Now back to the parable. <sighs> In 1969, Mel Fisher began his search for the Nuestra Sonora de Atocha, a Spanish treasure galleon that sank off the coast of the Florida Keys in 1622. It became a 16-year adventure that included financial hardship, tragic loss, and triumph. But each day, he began with this phrase, today's the day. I want you to say this out loud, today's the day. I'm going to speak that prophetically into your spirit in just a minute. But before I do, let's watch this modern day parable about Mel Fisher. On any given day, ships plying the Straits of Florida carry cargo worth a mere fraction of the treasure that sank beneath the waves. Scattered across the seabed are the wrecks of thousands of Spanish galleons and an untold fortune in gold. There is a continuing hunt for treasure, particularly in the Caribbean, but elsewhere, for the wreckage of some of those ships where there are, there will be gold coins and possibly gold bars on those ships. The Great Florida Treasure Hunt was inspired by the greatest treasure tale of all time, Treasure Island, a book that left its mark on an Indiana boy named Mel Fisher. He was interested in treasure hunting all his life, even from a little, when he was a little kid. And it was just something he always dreamed about doing and wanted to do. When Mel grew up and moved to the golden state of California, he went prospecting. He had a dive shop out in California, and he used to save all his money and go treasure hunting for a hobby. And then his hobby, the vacation treasure hunting, kept getting longer and longer, and finally, in the early 60s, he decided to go full-time treasure hunting. Fisher's prize was a fleet of Spanish galleons that sank off the coast of Florida in 1715. He sold his business, packed up his wife and children, moved to Florida, and held his breath. He and six other people all agreed to work for one year without pay and see if they could find the treasure. Fisher's team swept 120,000 miles of ocean floor with a metal detector called a magnetometer. It can pick up a cannon, an anchor, or gold. On the 360th day, five days before their deal was up, they dug a hole and it was full of gold doubloons. That day, they brought up $50,000 worth of gold. Fisher was hooked. Two years later, he began combing the Florida Keys for an even greater prize, the Spanish galleon Atosha, flagship of a 17th century treasure fleet bound for Spain. They would gather up treasure from South America, Central America, and North America, 
and they would take it on smaller fleets to Havana, Cuba. That was like their hub. And there all the ships would meet up and they would form a large fleet and sail back to Spain, taking this tremendous flow of wealth. This flow of wealth continued for over 300 years. Scores of treasure ships fell prey to swashbuckling privateers like Sir Francis Drake and Sir Walter Raleigh. It was those gold coins that Drake and Raleigh and the other people were in pursuit of 400 years ago. But the greatest threat to the treasure fleets wasn't marauding pirates. It was weather. When the Atosha set sail in August of 1622, hurricane season had already begun. One day after they left Havana, they got caught in a hurricane, and the Admiral ordered the fleet to sail west, thinking that they could sail out past the Florida Keys and ride out the storm in the Gulf of Mexico. And the fleets, the, the ships that followed the Admiral, all sank and perished. And the ships that disobeyed the Admiral all survived. More than 500 souls perished in the storm. Among the doomed ships was the one with the most gold, the Atosha. Each of these shipments of gold from South America to Spain, they were all big, big shipments with large quantities of gold relative to the amount that was available in the world. And if for some reason they didn't arrive, armies would not get paid, armies would not get fed. Uh, it was extremely important to Spain. There had not been a, a shipment of treasure to Spain for four years, and the king desperately needed this money to keep control of Europe. And when the Atocha sank, it was a devastating blow to the economy. In 1970, Mel Fisher set out to find the Atocha. Well, he read about the Atocha in uh, Potter's Treasure Diver's Guide, and it had four stars next to it, meaning it had a lot of treasure on it. We knew there was 47 tons of gold and silver out there waiting for us. And then the, the research told us where it was, approximately, but it gave us a starting point. The starting point was the upper Florida Keys, but the search led nowhere. Four years later, the pivotal clue emerged across the Atlantic among dusty archives in Seville. A researcher scouring old salvage records discovered Fisher was looking in the wrong place. He spent three years looking up in the upper Florida Keys in the Matacumbis, a uh, hundred miles in the wrong direction. It turned out that uh, Potter had some bad research. Fisher shifted his base to Key West and started over. Long on hope and short on money, he herded his family onto a leaky houseboat. He battled bill collectors and rival salvagers. He sold off minor treasures he'd found to keep searching for the treasure that eluded him. Yet Fisher never lost faith. Each morning he announced to his crew, today's the day. For 16 years, Fisher relentlessly pursued the Atosha, a search that would exact a terrible price. In 1975, one of the salvage boats capsized and my brother and his wife and another diver were trapped inside and drowned. And, uh, you know, we thought about giving it up, but then we decided that Dirk would want us to continue and it actually increased our determination. We were gonna find it for Dirk. And it was 10 years to the day from the accident that we found it. 
So I kind of think he was up there helping us, you know. On July 19, 1985, as always, Mel Fisher announced, today's the day. Using magnetometers and sonar, his sons Kim and Kane spent the day scouring the seabed for signs of the Atosha. That afternoon, Kane announced he'd found something. He called me on the radio and said that this one hit we had marked had barrel hoops sticking up out of the mud. The barrel hoops are the metal straps that hold the water barrels together. And so that, that was very exciting. As the sun began to set, Kane Fisher went back down for a closer look. And he dug a hole, and the hole was full of barrel hoops and pieces of eight, like the, the silver coin I'm wearing, and copper ingots. There was 20 tons of copper on board the Atocha. So it started getting pretty exciting. And we moved the boat a little bit and dug another hole, and there was less stuff. And we moved again, and there was less stuff. And uh, so we're starting to wonder if it was just another tease, you know. We'd, we'd had been teased several times by the Atocha. As night fell, the brothers were forced to stop searching. The next morning, they moved the boat again and dug another hole. This time, they hit the mother load. The first reaction was, now what do I do? Because I'd spent most of my life looking for this one wreck, and now all of a sudden, there it was. Well, that didn't last too long, because finding it was hard, but once you find it, then the work really starts. In all, the Fishers retrieved, cleaned, and cataloged a quarter of a million artifacts, silver bars, gold ingots, and yards of gold chain. The value of the Atosha's cargo is estimated at half a billion dollars. It made Mel Fisher the richest treasure hunter in the world and made governments greedy. The state of Florida and the federal government both claimed ownership to the Atocha. And my father offered them 35%, and they said no, they wanted it all. So we went to court for eight years and it went all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and they said finders keepers. So we got it all. Mel Fisher went back to sea in search of more treasure. In 1998, at age 76, he died of cancer. Dad was a treasure hunter, uh, you know, from the day one, and he did it till the day he died, and he died a happy man. I can't think of anything else I'd rather do. Uh, I'll, I'll be doing this until I die. The year was 2015. My phone rang one day, and it was a billionaire. He said, you don't know me, but I know you. I've heard about you. I've heard you speak. And um, he said, I want you to come to Fort Lauderdale and I'm gathering some of my billionaire friends and I want you to teach us about money. <laughs> After about 30 seconds, I said, I'm not sure what I can teach you about money. I mean, I've made a few million, but I'm not in the billion category. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I want you to come teach us about money and doing it God's way. And I said... I'd be honored to do that. He said, if you could meet me in Fort Lauderdale on my yacht, 
He said, what I want to do is I want to get my billionaire friends together, and I just want us to sit at your feet, and I want you to teach us about the kingdom and about money. When I arrived in Fort Lauderdale and got on the ship, <laughs> it was amazing because we had, were not too far from the harbor of the dock, and um, we went into a big stateroom, and they literally sat on the ground, and they said, we want to sit at your feet, and we want to learn. I can't even tell you how humbled I was, but I did what I'm anointed to do, and I began to teach the Word and began to teach the Word about money. Did you know there's more in Scripture about money than there is about love? There's more in Scripture about money than there is about forgiveness. There's more in Scripture about money, more Scriptures about money than there is on any subject in the Bible. It must be pretty important. Now, some of you might be sitting here and say, oh, money's not that important, and that's only because you don't have any. <laughs> but everybody that thinks money's important understands, like my friend Zig Ziglar said, and that is, he said, money's not the most important thing. It's second only to oxygen. So, so anyway, I was, I was just in a state of shock, and we launched, and for the next three hours I taught. I didn't know where we were going. All of a sudden, as we were pulling into the harbor in Siesta Key, people began to gather on the dock because the ship was coming in. Obviously, some of them knew whose yacht this was, and uh, they gathered to watch us come in. Right before we got off the yacht, my new billionaire friend said, hey, we're going to go to a museum today. I said, we are. You see, inside this yacht were boats and sea-doos and all kind of fun things. And there would be a hatch that opened up, and you would literally drive these things out of the back of the boat. And we're going to a museum. I, mean, I was like, oh, oh, so this is what we're doing. And so I, I, I looked at him and just took a chance and said, you know, our wives aren't with us. Like, well, we don't have to go to a museum. That's what I, in my mind, that's what I was thinking. And he said, oh, no, no, you're going to want to go here. We walked into this museum. I turned the corner, and here's what I saw. Now, again, this was six years ago. I was much younger, a lot better looking. <laughs> Not really. This was just in a room by itself. I asked for the room. I told the guys, I said, I need a minute. God's speaking to me. He said, I knew he would. <laughs> I knew he would. And I sit down, and God started speaking. I've spoken this message three times when I was asking the Lord since then. When I was asking the Lord, God, what do you want me to say to them? He said, I want you to tell them today's the day. Yes. I said, today's the day. Now, you might be sitting here and you say, what does that mean? Prophetically for you, today's the day. Why don't, why don't you just look at somebody and say, today's the day. So here's what came to me, and now I give it to you. Today's the day God has ordained for you. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Today's a reminder that yesterday is gone and tomorrow is out of sight. 
Today's the day where all wrongs will be made right. Today's the day to start again. Today's the day that you will win. No matter how many times you've lost in the past, God has a future for you that is bright and vast. It's time to look forward and go into the direction of your dreams to do the impossible no matter how hard it seems. Today's the day to keep doing what you know to do. Draw close to God. He's drawing close to you. Now, this is for some people very specific. Disappointments, rejection, fear, and a broken heart. God is going to use those real life things to give you a brand new start. Today's the day to believe you can do all things through Christ who empowers you to fulfill his plan. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. Today, walk by faith and don't be distracted by sight. Today's the day for your dreams to come true. Say it. Believe it. It's your father's good pleasure to give his kingdom to you. That's your word for today. That's your word for today. You might say, but what does that mean for me? I don't know what it means for you, but I'm just going to tell you what I believe God told me to tell you. And here's what it is. Number one, get focused on what you want. I want to ask you a question. What do you want? You, you know what happens to us? We, we're, young, we're, we're young and we start getting older and we have all these dreams and we have all these things that we want. And all of a sudden life hits us. Situations, circumstances, relationships. And somewhere along the way we start to believe that we can't really have what we want. We can't have the marriage we want. We can't have the, the business we want. We can't have the job we want. We can't, we can't have the finances we want. We, we start to think, no, it's just, it's just not even worth it. So why want it? I'll just be disappointed. Today's the day where God's saying, get focused on what you want. When I do my, my coaching, I have personal coaching clients. I do six different masterminds. I have an online mastermind. I do couples mastermind, and I pastor a little church. But here's what I'm going to tell you. When I'm, when I'm pouring into people, one of the first things that I begin to teach them is to identify what it is that you want. And I actually have a big wants list. And so the big wants list is in my own life, here's my big wants. And I teach people how to, how to make that list. In fact, I'm going to give you some homework. You don't have to do it today unless you think today's today. If you think today's the day, I would encourage you before today's over, write your big wants list. Sometimes we, we never really decide what it is that we want, so I want you to hear this. Most people, everybody say most people. Most people in life get more of what they don't want rather than what they want because they never decide what it is they want. And they settle along the way, and they don't even realize they're settling. They settle for the marriage. They settle for the person. They settle for the job. They settle for wherever their finances are because they don't see any way for anything to get different. How do you make today's the day? If God's given you a word, how do you do it? Give God something to work with. In fact, the way I say it, Connor, you know, the way I say it is you will win in life if you give God something to work with and people something to respect. Wow. 
What gives God something to work with is what you want. What do you want in every area of your life? What do you want? Now, really super spiritual people say, well, I just want what God wants. I just want what the Lord wants for me. And then they don't do anything. God can't do that. He doesn't work like that. Faith without works is, oh, y'all are well taught. Oh, God, I just want what you want. You know what God says is your father? I want what you want. What do you think about your kids for a minute? Do you want your kids just to want what you want? Or as their parent, do you want for them what they want? But what if, what if all of their life they're walking around going, I don't know what they want. You know, one, one of the parent, one of every parent, and if, if you miss that and you're in your grandparents, it's still not too late. And by the way, if you're a parent, you'll always be a parent. So I don't care how old your kids are. You named them. You still have a voice in their life. One of the greatest things you can do for your kids is to help them identify what they want. So every night, what I would say over my son in particular, after I prayed for him, after I knelt down by his bed, and you know how I prayed for my son? Listen, I didn't pray some super spiritual prayer. I knew, I didn't, well, I didn't even know the kind of day that he had, but I knew, like all of us, he had had hard times and people made fun of him or things didn't go well or his own insecurities. And all I would do is I'd lay my hands on him and I'd say, God, thank you for the gift of my son. That's where my prayer started. And then I would just speak over his life about what I saw in him. God, I thank you for Josh's gentle but strong spirit. God, I thank you that he's creative. I thank you, God, that you made him to win and not lose. And I would just speak over him what I saw for him. That's how I prayed for him. Not like, oh, God, bless him. Oh, God, be with him. Oh, God, help him. No, 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 no. I was speaking into his spirit when I would pray over him. And then I would get up and I would walk over and the light was always on. I'd walk over and I would turn around and I would say, Josh, you can be anything you want to be and do anything you want to do. And by the time he was six, I would reach for the light switch and I would be walking out of the room and he would say, if I'll pay the price. You see, here's the problem with making a big wants list. There's a price that only you can pay. So if you don't want anything, then guess what? There's no price, and therefore you will never get what you want. Does that seem simple? It's revelational, actually. And by the way, the more you want and the more big wants that you have, the more will be required of you to get it. So here's your assignment. Hopefully before the day's over, just make a big once list. So when I'm coaching people, I show them my list. I say, here's my list. Just use my list as a template, and then you decide what it is that you want. Don't, don't want what I want. Decide what you want. Now, you said, you said a minute ago, uh, maybe you said, well, what do you mean like, like I shouldn't want what God wants for my life? No, that, that's, that's a big want for me. God, I, I, want, I want what you want for my life. But right back at me, God says, what do you want? <laughs> That's kind of how I think God talks, you know. <laughs> Not like, hey, what do you want, Keith? Anyway, no, I don't think I said, what do you want? Anyway, what do you want? What's the scriptural basis for that? Psalms 37, 4. 
Delight yourself in the Lord. Watch this now. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. He doesn't care what you want. He just wants to help you get what you want. Is this resonating with anybody? So get focused on what you want. Here's the second thing. Get the right map and directions. For almost 20 years, now the most famous treasure hunter in the history of the world was off course. He had the wrong map. Now with that not so high quality video that I wanted to show you anyway. By the way, I have a degree in broadcast uh, journalism and I'm very, in our own church, I mean, it's quality and to even show you that video, I almost want to apologize, but I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, all stories don't look perfect. I just wanted to tell you the story, okay? But, but here's what the story doesn't tell you. They had the wrong map for years and years and years. Some of you think if you can get enough coaching or if you can find the right business or if you can write the right business plan, then, then you'll, you'll have this success. No, you got to get the right map and the, so you can have the right directions. The Bible says, in fact, Jesus' great-great-grandfather, King David, said this. He said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide it in my heart so that I do not sin against you. Here's what that means. Not so I'll do more good than bad, so that I will not miss what you have for me. That's what that means. Now, here's what the story didn't tell you. At the 10-year mark, every day, Mel's getting up, every day for 10 years. Today's the day. Can you imagine, by the way, it showed the picture of the people that started with him for the first year, when at the end of the year, on the last day of the 365, you remember that part of the story, and they found 50,000 in gold? Everybody said, I've just spent a year of my life, we're going to split that. Ten ways. They, they were gone. He gone. She gone. They, they, like, they were gone. Now, ten years into it, Mel's still standing up on his dilapidated houseboat. <laughs> Today's the day. And all he's got left is his family with him. <sighs> then you saw the story. His son and his wife boat capsized one night while they were asleep. They couldn't get out and they died. And the other son that was telling the story didn't even tell half the story because Mel and his wife were so devastated they, they had just decided to quit. But one night in their most depressed state of not only not getting what they want, not only their dreams not coming true, not only seemingly wasting 10 years of their life trying to make this work, Mel's wife reached over to him, took him by the hand and said, Mel, it's time for us to go to church. He goes, church? We don't need to go to church. She says, no, we need to go to church. We, we are at the lowest of low point. That next Sunday, they went to a little startup church in Florida that was meeting at a school. And when they walked into the lobby of that school, there was a little table that had donuts on it. And they walked over to the table. And so they, they didn't know anybody. It was just a few people. And they started eating a donut. And a guy walks up to him and says, hey, and introduces himself. And 
Mel said, well, this is I'm Mel, this is my wife. And the guy says, what do you do, Mel? And immediately his head sunk. If you've ever had a business that failed, if things have ever not been going well at a particular point in your life, somebody goes, hey, what do you do? The thing that your own voice says to you, not much, I'm a total loser, this is not going well. How many of y'all have ever been there? Come on. It's like, it's like, what do you do? Apparently nothing. So his head was down. His wife puts her arm around him. And Mel looks up at this man that is just meeting him. He says, well, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you, but I'm a, I'm a treasure hunter. He goes, how's that going? It's just... He goes, what are you looking for? He said, there's this Spanish galleon ship called the Atosha. And we've been looking for it for 10 years. And they talked a few minutes. We actually came today. We're just, we're just at the lowest point of our life and lost our children. And they're at the donut table. They hadn't even gone in the service yet. And the guy said, well, what's, what's the problem in your search? He said, there's this, there's this ancient script, this Spanish. We, we, can't, we can't read the maps. We don't, we've, we've, we've searched literally hundreds of thousands of miles in 10 years, going from place to place. He said, what do you do? He said, well, I'm a professor at the University of Florida, and my specialty is an ancient script. Mel's wife looked at him and said, are you glad we came to church, Mel? Could we get, could we get together after church? Oh yeah, we can get together. Goes over Mel's house. They pull out everything they had. They pull out every map, everything. And see what you saw in the story is in Seville, Spain, there was a researcher. That researcher was the guy that he met in church his first time. Because his life map hadn't worked up until that point. And all of a sudden there was this alignment and after his new professor looked at everything that he had, he said, yeah, you've got the wrong maps. Let me go to Seville, Spain. I'll find the right map. I'll interpret it, and we'll find this treasure. Wow. Long story short, they found the treasure. But I want you to hear, for almost 20 years, even after his son and daughter-in-law died, Mel, when they decided to keep going forward, was declaring, today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. Let me tell you why. Because your life will follow your mouth. And if you are reading the wrong map, you're going to be saying the wrong things. And what you wanted will never happen. So how do you make today today? You get focused on what you want. And feel good about it. Here's what I want. You ever heard of a guy named Billy Graham? He had this wife named Ruth. She made this list of what she wanted in a man. She kept getting older and older, thinking, this guy didn't exist. 
And one day, Billy Graham walked into the room and everything she'd put on the list that she wanted, she knew it when she saw him because of her list. Some of you, you've never taken time to say, here's what I want. And therefore, you're not giving God anything to work with and you're expecting him to do something that he's wanting you to do. You see, watch this. How many of you own your own business? Let me just see your hand. Listen to me. God wants to be your partner in your business to give you direction, to show you things that you cannot even come up with yourself, but you have to want God as your partner. Okay? Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. If today's the day, if it's going to be the day for you, and I'm telling you prophetically, March or May 2nd, 2021, today's the day that changes everything. If that's something that stirs in your spirit to say, I want to believe that, get focused on what you want, get the right map slash directions, get connected. I'm going to give you a, a success equation now. You don't have to write it down, but a lot of people pay me to give them stuff like this. And here's how simple it is. When you get with the right people in the right place at the right time, the right things always happen. Not sometimes. And you say, well, don't you have to get to the place first? No, you have to get with the right people first. You have to align your life with the right people in the right place at the right time so the right things happen. I don't know what this week looked like for you. I don't know what this last year and a half has looked like for you. But I can tell you today, 100%, that you are with the right people in the right place. This is the right time. And in the name of Jesus, starting today, May 2nd, 2021, the right things are going to start to happen for your life. I don't know. Hang on just a second. I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know if you're a part of this church or if you're not, but I want you to stand up. You right here. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. Do you go to this church? Yes, sir. Okay. I want you to put your hand in my hand. God, I thank you for this man. I know nothing about him, but literally before the service started, I, I was standing over there and I turned to Sam and I said, this guy right here, in fact, it's, it's you four, but this guy right here, God's wanting to do something new in your life. He's wanting to bring you into a new space and into a new place. And there's some alignments that you've had in your past that even as you're listening to me, God is saying, it's time to break those alignments because I've got different alignments for you in your future. So I speak over your life that today is a shifting for you. It's a changing for you. And you've wondered, like, is this real? Like, is God, like, yeah. Because God stopped me to say to you, you're my son. You're my son. You're my son. And what you haven't been able to fix, here's the word for the Lord, from the Lord for you. God says, I'm going to fix, and it starts today. It starts today. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that mean anything to you? 
Am I just, am I, am I just pontificating or does that mean something to you? It means something to you. I could say more, but God's saying enough. There's some old alignments that God is saying it's over. It's held you back. And he's bringing, for, for the dream that God's put in your heart, he's going to begin to bring the right people. Because you push through some stuff, some serious stuff to even be in this room. To even still believe. So I could go a little bit deeper. But it didn't, I'll just say one last thing. It didn't matter what your dad or did, who, who he was or who he wasn't. It has nothing to do with God being your father and what he's wanting to do in your life. And today, God is saying, you're my son. You're my son. You're my son. And that voice of the father in the past or not even knowing. God's saying, I'm going to start speaking to you. And if you'll follow my voice, just like I'm doing right now, I'm going to show you things that you've start, started to believe. It's not going to happen. God's saying it is going to happen. It is going to happen. You got that? Does that speak to you? God's got his hand on your life even when you haven't known it. So anyway, I don't know why he stopped this whole thing for you, but you must be pretty important or something. So anyway, God bless you. your name over your head like God has written faithful like you're a faithful person you're a loyal person and God says you know what my eyes look to and fro this is 2nd Chronicles this is a word for you my eyes look to and fro throughout the whole earth to see those that are loyal to me because I'm looking for somebody to put my hand on and God's hand is coming on you in a new and special way too God's doing something really special for both of you guys now, God, heal, heal the hurts. <sighs> Here's the last thing. I'm already minus 17. That means I'm way over. Y'all don't tell anybody. How many of you believe today's the day? Come on. Get focused on what you want. Go ahead and stay standing, those of you that are standing. Get focused on you what you want. Get the right map in the right directions. Here's the last thing. Stop at nothing the devil listen the devil has done his damnedest to stop this state to stop your family 
to stop your business, to stop the flow of your finances. And in the name of Jesus, can I just tell you, you cannot be stopped. I said, you cannot be stopped. Stop at nothing. A half a billion dollars of just never stopping. Y'all know a song called Never Stop? Never Stop. Y'all know a song like that? Y'all know a, y'all know a song like, 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 This Is How I Fight My Battles? Y'all, y'all, know, a, y'all know a song like, like, Never Lost a Battle? Like, y'all know any kind of songs like that? Because here's what I'm telling you. Listen to me. This isn't a, this isn't a teaching. This isn't a preaching This is an impartation into your spirit today. That's what God's doing. And he's doing a new thing. Hope be restored. Hope be restored. Help is not just on the way. Help is here. In the name of Jesus, you can't be stopped. Listen, you can't be stopped. Look at somebody tell him. Say, you can't be stopped. Look at somebody tell him. I'm getting a little hoarse from the Emerge Conference. My voice is having a hard time holding up. Can y'all tell? No, because I can't be stopped. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus' words. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. That a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. That's Jesus. One last thing, and this is a word for every person here, Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will open to you his good treasure the heavens to give the rain to you in your land in its season and to bless all the works of your hand you shall lend to many nations but you shall not borrow and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail I prophesy over you today that you shall be above only and not be beneath. And if you heed the commandments, the word of the Lord today, and if you observe them, you are going to begin to live not needing a miracle, but you're going to become a miracle worker. Not saying this is impossible. You see, with us, it's impossible. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.